Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. The month of June is here. Kevin's Corner will not stop. We will continue all the way up until training camp less than two months away which uh, is wild to, to think about it. I guess seven weeks now away, eight weeks away from Grand Park for training camp. I cannot wait, but I will also thoroughly enjoy these next couple of months. Chris Presley across the way. I'm Kevin Bowen. We are back on a Wednesday morning, a little bit of a hiatus with Memorial Day. We'll try to get to these, I think, back on our Tuesday schedule if we can uh, moving forward here in the offseason. But, uh, Chris, how was your race extended weekend it was good like I was telling you it was a little bit different not being at the track this year right um one of the first years in a long time that I've not been out there still love listening to it on WIBC and 107.5 the fan with the simulcast the pomp and circumstance like I, I just love all the tradition everything about it Same. and you were there you yeah. were in turn four just underneath Chris Denary, the pacer yeah. broadcaster and the legend, yeah, it was great to see him before the race, and I, yeah, I, I could not agree more with you. I am such a sucker for the pageantry and the tradition of it all mm-hmm. in the pre-race, and to be back there and and just have a sense of normalcy, and then watching Elio, Elio's reaction afterwards, like that's why I love sports, just to see the sheer raw emotion, yeah, of these guys and gals that work so hard um, to get to that pinnacle and that peak, and he's obviously been there quite a lot, and then. You know, I don't know, fell off the, the, the mountain is the right term, but obviously Penske uh, doesn't involve him anymore in their IndyCar package. And then here you go, Meyer Shank Racing, and now he's won four, four and we'll have that storyline of five mm-hmm. uh, for the next couple of years. So I just think it's great for the sport as well to yeah. keep the casual fan invested into it. So, yeah, it was an awesome day weather-wise, awesome race for sure. And just so good to be back. And it got me thinking of like, wow, you know, I can't wait to see Lucas Oil Stadium packed mm-hmm. again. I mean, I can't wait to see Grand Park, hopefully, with fans. I mean, who knows what what that'll be. Um, but just that we're inching closer and closer to that. Obviously, we watch these NBA playoffs and just yeah. to see fans in those buildings and bigger crowds in those buildings as well. If they so. if they mind their if they mind their business. Yeah, that that's yeah, that's a great <laughs> point. If they're not trying to pull a John Green or whoever that dude was from uh, the mouse at the palace. So um, yeah, totally fun. As I was saying on last week's podcast, the fact that you know I can be there as a fan and really soak that in, I enjoy. And um, yeah, I mean to go from Colts practice last Thursday, our final OTA session, and now uh, they are full on summer vacation. I'm filling in for um, Dan Dockett later today. We're actually gonna have Frank Reich on the show, nice. and so uh, we'll we'll probably come back. And for those that miss it, we'll uh, slot it into next week's podcast. But uh, Looking forward to that, as you guys probably listen to this. That interview will probably already happen. Uh, but excited to get into a little bit of the OTAs. And, and for the most part, Chris, we'll probably be a little bit shorter on podcasts moving forward. You know, 45-ish minutes is kind of my goal for the next couple months. Um, we still have a lot of Twitter questions to get to and things like that. And we'll get to some different sort of storylines uh, until training camp. But we won't, you know, go hour, hour and 15 like we uh, typically do. Yeah. And I know you echo, echo the sentiment as well. Obviously, the, the long weekend, 
thank you to all the troops who serve, oh, without all those a doubt. who've fallen. Yeah, I mean, when I hear taps at the race, it's just instant hair on the back. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, when they go around the track, the 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 troops before the start, um, they come right out in front of us in four and then end there. It's awesome to kind of give them a couple of different standing ovations. So um, certainly thank you to all. And um, I know we always uh, probably the most touching thing that I get each year, Chris, is, you know, we probably have, I don't know, three or four three or four servicemen and women that will DM us and say, you know, I'm stationed, blah, blah, blah. Thank you for Mm -hmm. giving me a sense of normalcy. And I, at first I'm like, thank you. want to thank us? Oh my gosh. You know, I'm, we are thanking you certainly for the ultimate sacrifice. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, thank you for throwing that in there. Absolutely. Well, there's no real easy transition from, from that, uh, standpoint. Obviously we, we appreciate all the servicemen and women. Let's go to the goat. Yeah. Adam Vinatieri. Is he retired? Isn't he retired? <laughs> yeah, I, I I think he is. You know, I was listening to that uh, Pat McAfee uh, interview. I don't know what was it last Wednesday, last Thursday, mm-hmm. something like that. And I was like, boy, I think Adam Vinatieri just announced his retirement, but I'm not 100 percent sure. And obviously, um, I think we knew it was coming. You know, as much as we wanted the Hollywood ending, and as much as Vinny is the ultimate ultimate competitor, right. You just never knew, you know, him ending his career. Unfortunately, on a block kick, return for a touchdown is not the way that you know he wanted to go out. Um, but Father Time eventually did get to the goat. But by no means, Chris, should this tarnish his legacy, his career. Um, you know, to play that position, there is just a clutch and pressure factor that I don't know if any athlete truly feels. You know, maybe if you're a goalie and you get kind of isolated in some PK situations, mm-hmm. sure. But as a kicker for a team sport, I, I don't know if you have more pressure on you in yeah. any other position. Again, very isolated. Yeah, quarterback. But again, quarterback, you're in and out of the game. You've got four quarters. As a kicker, you might have one chance the whole game. You know, As a closer, you can rely on your defense behind you to potentially bail you out. As a kicker, it's you. And it's that operation, and I don't think anyone has defined the word clutch, ice in your veins, more than Adam Vinatieri. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is not a Hall of Famer. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, that that needs to be no discussion whatsoever for Mike Chappell. I assume it'll be Chat that presents him. I don't know. Maybe it'll be the New England representation there, but... Um, it, it comes down to me of those pressure kicks. And, like, I don't know if I tried to retweet some of Bill Belichick's comments uh, throughout the past few days mm-hmm. because, obviously, you know, he's a gold standard when it comes to coaching. And he, I felt, pretty eloquently, which I don't know that's a word we frequently use for, for Belichick, but just look at him and his words describing Adam Vinatieri and the type of athlete and type of performer he has been in his right. NFL career. And that, to me speaks enough, speaks more volumes than any words that I'm going to say on this, uh, I don't know, uh, hopefully a little bit better than mediocre podcast. But just look at all the numbers. It's the 29-game winning field goals. It's the four Super Bowls. It's the two-game winners in the Super Bowls with New England. And, Chris, I think we forget, and sometimes I forget, because I was so young, as you were, when those um, Super Bowls happened for the Patriots – I think the first one was 48 yards, and the second game winner was 41. Like, we're not talking, hey, we've got 
to the five-yard line. Let's position it in the middle of the field and trot out Vinatieri for a glorified extra point. These are long freaking kicks. Yeah. And he's making those to win Super Bowl. So, um, you know, hat tip to the GOAT. Again, first ballot, no doubt in my mind. I know his percentages won't go down in NFL lore of, like, you know, whatever, Justin Tucker or somebody else. But at that position, what you do in the final two minutes, what you do in the playoffs, what you do in weather, you know, right. the kick obviously in the in, in the tuck rule game, that to me is what defines how great of a uh, kicker you are in the NFL. And Adam Vinatieri, uh, no one did it better than him. So, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable career and uh, first balloter. Yeah, and like you mentioned, that was that was one of the obviously I remember the tuck rule game and the first field goal because we didn't hate the Patriots back then. You know, it was kind of. Oh, Tom Brady, he's a great story. I kind of wanted the Patriots to win. They were an AFC team. I remember vividly that Super Bowl against the Panthers. That was also the Justin Timberlake uh, halftime show. Oh, wow. Great. Yeah, wow. Well, some might have remembered it for other reasons. Though. Yeah. You so know, Maybe that. their first exposure. Maybe a young Chris <laughs> Presley's first exposure, young Kevin Bowen's first exposure to um, yeah, I don't, fe- female anatomy. But, but I remember maybe, him making that kick. politically correct statement. I remember him making that kick and re- remembering, okay, this guy's really good. Yeah, really, really bleeping good. This and guy's really good. Got a Super Bowl here. Got another Super Bowl, I should say, here as well. So, um, awesome, awesome career, Adam Vinatieri, and uh, congrats. So, last week, OTAs, any takeaways from, you know, we seeing, we're seeing Carson Wentz back out there, pretty good at knockout. Yeah, him and Mo Ali Cox. Him and Mo Ali Cox. Yeah, Carson Wentz looking like a pretty good athlete. I'm going to judge that he dominated in North Dakota high school basketball. I can't imagine (laughs) 6'5", 230, and with a jumper that looked like that. I'm going to say that he more than held his own up there. But um, Have you you been close to him yet? Because every time I I hear someone report, they just always talk about how big of a person he actually is. Yeah, I mean... I guess uh, 100 yards, probably the closest that I've been so far. So they they put the quarterbacks on the far end. They put linebackers and D-linemen in front of us. But uh, that's been the closest. But certainly, knowing how big Jacob Eason is, uh, knowing how big some of the other players are on that roster, and so when he gets into a huddle and he more than holds his own there with some of those offensive linemen, you're like, wow. Uh, And I think Frank used the term, like, physical specimen, I mean, that's accurate. I, I know that might sound weird to like describe an NFL athlete like that uh, when you're comparing him to other NFL athletes, but I, I do think Carson stands out on an NFL field. Um, I guess let me start here. Again, this is it. We won't see them again until Grand Park, and mm-hmm. the Colts won't see them again. Veterans are gone. Veterans are all over the country now. Uh, the rookies are still in the building this week, but that's it for coaches with their players um, Frank made it very clear that you know the big goal was you want to drill fundamentals and you want to establish an eight-week plan for these guys now that they're on their own. But also there were some tweaks to the scheme, so some changes. And I think when he says that, I think he means QB skill set. I think he means RPOs. Right? That, to me, I think is what stood out in these two weeks. of just Yes, we aren't seeing them in any sort of really full-throttle competitive one-on-one, 11-on-11 settings. But I just think you're going to see Carson's legs used. Again, not as much as like, oh, my gosh, seven carries for 42 yards. Keep plays a lot. Get on the perimeter. 
Now all of a sudden you got a rollout, and you didn't have a rollout last year mm-hmm. with Phil Rivers. What does that do to your wideouts, to your passing trees, those sorts of things there? Um, obviously, I think what we're hearing a lot, Chris, is teammates, you know, gushing over Carson Wentz as a teammate. And I want to go back to something we talked about right when I think this trade happened, of when you heard guys like Malcolm Jenkins for the Eagles, Chris Long for the Eagles, two very outspoken and well-respected yes. veterans inside yep. that locker room. It was never like Carson and Carson is a bad guy or a bad teammate. It's just this dude kind of likes to hunt, and he's from North Dakota, and I don't know how many guys in a 53-man locker room like to hunt or from North Dakota. So he's just not reaching every corner of the locker room. That doesn't mean he's a bad teammate. But both Malcolm Jenkins and Chris Long said this, fine guy, nice guy, just win. Like, like that, that's all we care about at, at the end of the day. If you win, that locker room is going to like you. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of pressure on that position. But flat out, that's what comes with making the amount of money that those guys make in this league. So, again, I never felt like when I heard you know Carson Wentz, bad teammate, I don't think we ever put very much stock into that on this podcast. Because, again, it was not so much of, this is Nate Bjorkren type stories, which yes, we do owe you a Pacers podcast at some point. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll wait till some some dust settles here. But like those stories are are pretty wild. I don't think it's that with Carson. Like he's getting in whatever verbal altercations with guys in the locker room. No, it's just he beats to a little bit of a different drum than those guys in the locker room. And when losing starts to happen, I think that stuff gets a little bit blown out of proportion there. And I thought Carson said it the best. Like, so much of, you know, this honeymoon period, Carson flat out's like, hey, the test will be on Sundays. And that ultimately is where he's going to have to prove himself. And sure, there'll be tests when you get into late December and, you know, hopefully, obviously, for this team, January. But it's one of those things where, and obviously, um, I say this a lot, that, you have instances in sports where in the least or not as pressure pack situation, guys show up. You know, how many NBA players can score eight points in a first quarter? You scoring eight points in the fourth quarter when the game's on the line, ten points in, the, right. in a quarter? You know, PJ Tour player. A lot of guys can go shoot sixty five on Thursday. You can go shoot sixty five on Sunday when it matters. Mm-hmm. You know, those are and I think with Wentz, he gets that. Yes, he's doing everything he needs to do right now as a teammate and as a leader. But he knows your leadership in May and your leadership in the fourth quarter with four minutes to go in the game, that's different. Um, I found it a little interesting. He really harped on how new the playbook was for him terminology-wise. I don't know if that's a phrase, but uh, it sounds decent. Like I, I felt like, I don't know, at least publicly, Phillip Rivers was like, oh, yeah, you know, I know 90 or 95% of the playbook already. So I don't know if it's like an immense learning, but I do think it's a little bit more learning for Carson than it maybe it was for, for Phillip there. So um, I guess that is the offensive stuff that kind of stands out to me, Chris. Mike Strawn really seems to be a guy that I'm going to ask Frank about him today, really seems to be a guy that they um, – continue to like and feel like that learning curve won't be as immense. Michael Pittman, I think his fiance had their daughter, I believe daughter, 
last week, so he wasn't out there. So Strong got some run with those starters. Um, so just interesting to see a day three pick out there in that mix. And obviously Desmond Patman and him, I think that'll be kind of a nice battle to see all right, yeah. who is kind of that next guy of a body type that we want to get out there on the field. And then it's just it continues to be good to see Marlon Mack and Paris Campbell working because yeah. an extra working right. Yeah, yeah. I mean they are doing a lot. It, it seems like like I saw that Carson and Paris Campbell both were doing extra work w- offensively that they necessarily didn't have to do. Yeah, and I know Campbell. I think if I'm not mistaken, through with Carson before they got together for these two weeks, and will do the same in June, and like. This team didn't make a lot of moves, you know, skill group-wise in the offseason. It was a re-sign of T.Y. and a fourth-round pick of Kylan Granson. It wasn't a whole lot. You ended the year without Mack and Campbell. So, now, that's a lot to bank on. Injuries, for different reasons. The position Marlon plays and, obviously, Paris's injury history. But, like, this offense could put up a decent amount of points late in the year without those two. So, now it's you have those two. And, obviously, if healthy... Big, big roles in different ways for both of them. You know, Quiddy Pay at right defensive end. Like, that seems to be th- the thing. Um, I look at it as kind of three DNs for two spots, Chris. Okay. Tyquan Lewis and Quiddy Pay. And I posted a depth chart to the website on Monday. We won't get into too much of that right now, but feel free if you guys have any questions on that to check that out and, and fire them my way. I think it'll be Lewis and Pay. When you get to week one, but I don't want to discredit Al-Qadim Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we didn't see Kamoko Turi in the spring. And, boy, it's something, Chris, where you think back to where he was at last season. And he had to have the offseason surgery following last year. He played eight games last year. He didn't have a sack or a QB hit in seven of those eight games. He feasted on Jacksonville the last game of the season. That was it. So, again, how much of that was that ankle? And clearly he needed a cleanup, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. I guess a little bit more than cleanup because he's missed now the, the entire spring. But, man, this is big. I mean, it's a contract year for him. I feel like at times we kind of lose sight of his age and where he's at. But this is year four. Second-round mm-hmm. pick, year four. Contract year for him. And his resume is 25 games played, 23 missed. So, it's not just suit up. Yeah, suit up is one thing. I mean, he hasn't done that uh, that much, but it's also been where he is at production-wise. I think Tyquan Lewis is such an underappreciated guy in this football team, and watching him go through these last two weeks, I'm reminded of that. And now it's Nico Autry not here. I think yeah. that like people need to really appreciate what Tyquan Lewis's role is going to be. You know, he, um, I think Autry had eight sacks last year. And Lewis had like four or five similar tackle for loss numbers. But, you know, Autry's playing 200-some more snaps than Lewis. So, can you get Tyquan to that production over 16 games? Him staying healthy, you know, hasn't been a guarantee as well. Um, I'm excited to watch guys like EJ Speed, Marvell Tell, yep. and um, Isaiah Rogers. Those are a couple kind of former day three picks. that I don't really know what the roles are going to be, to be frank, but excited to see that in training camp. Looks like there will be a kicker competition, and it looks like Hot Rod will have the early advantage, which, totally fine. Totally get that, but competition should be there. I think, lastly, unless anything stood out to you, Chris, 
the one thing that I noticed in terms of who was there and who was available, I think every starter, projected starter, I should say, participated in one of the two sessions, if not both, besides Nelson, which I think we've mentioned here, a couple of just mm-hmm. little cleanups for him in the offseason. Uh, Fisher, obviously, with the Achilles. And then I didn't see Xavier Rhodes at either of them. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if Xavier Rhodes was just like, hey, uh, I'm good in Florida. You guys kind of <laughs> do that. Um, I know some people, I've had a couple of people kind of message me being like, it's, you know, what, why isn't Xavier there? That's, you know, just pull up any team in the league and you're going to see multiple guys that aren't there. I mean, Brady's not there. That's for... just, yeah, it's just how guys w- work and operate. And Xavier Rhodes is, you know, if we're going to grade him on the, Cult character scale of a 10, I don't know if he's meeting at a 10. He's not a bad human by any means, trust right. me. Like, he works, but I just think he's like, yeah, you know, I'm good, you know, doing something else. So, um, yeah, I think those are kind of the main takeaways that I, that I had. I mean, obviously, we have plenty of time to talk about it leading up to the season, but a quick, quick question. With Carson being as mobile as he is, should Colts Nation not freak out if we have some early holding calls on the offensive line and freaking out about, is this offensive line really as good as everyone says it is? Yeah, and, you know, obviously you're throwing in the Sam Tevy factor of however long he's going to be in the lineup. So, yeah, that that is something to mention. Um, and, and I think, I forget what interview I was doing late last week. Someone was asking me just about Carson and his mobility and staying healthy. I think that might be the bigger thing to watch. Okay. Just, um, you know, there are some people that, feel like he maybe got a little gun shy in Phil which is weird to say gun shy for a guy that led the league in interceptions last year. Like that doesn't really add up to me. But I am curious just how willing of a runner, how frequently of a runner, uh and when I say a runner, I go back to what I said earlier. Scrambler, you yeah, know, right. keep keep plays alive sort of thing. Because I do think, and we talked about this a lot after that wild card game, third down red zone. Josh Allen made plays with his legs. Mm-hmm. And that's what won Buffalo the football game, in my mind. So uh, I do think that'll be something to watch, you know, along with, like you said, you know, a few more penalties, Sam Tevy in the mix, and then obviously just the general health of your quarterback. Yeah. All right, well, like you said, it's a little bit shorter of podcast right now as we're in OTAs in the offseason. But let's jump into some Twitter questions, as we always appreciate. Thank you guys so much for sending these in. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate that. First one comes from Cody. With the two biggest needs addressed, what's the biggest question mark for this team now? Okay, I assume quarterback left tackle would maybe be the big – well, I guess maybe edge edge rush yeah. um, if he's referring to the draft. Well, you know, Cody, it's kind of funny. I posed this question really in a similar sense to Chris Ballard during that film – draft film breakdown. And the first – and again, he didn't really mention anything too glaring. I – I'm going to try and ask Frank Reich that question today. I know it's not going to go well, but, you know, I, I don't know. You feel like you got to try and <laughs> try and get him to be somewhat candid. He said corner is what Ballard said. And I guess it was more of a depth question. And, again, he mentioned cornerback was what he initially said. I, I maybe threw back to him linebacker, and I think they seem like Zaire Franklin is ready to step in for Anthony Walker. Now – I think the bigger issue, again, is if it's a Leonard or Okariki going down for four games, now all of a sudden it's Zaire Franklin playing snaps he's never seen, EJ Speed playing snaps he's never sniffed, really. Um, so I think when you put Wentz and everything at stake at that position to the side, 
I would say just the biggest question mark for this team, it's probably how quickly the pass rush delivers. Okay. I know a lot of people say, what about Eric Fisher and his health? And, and um, I don't know, maybe Xavier Rhodes maintaining that top flight corner play. Sure. But I'll go back to Wilson Stafford week one, week two, just that general schedule the first five weeks. How quickly does your pass rush produce? Mainly edge rush, but I'll throw the entire unit into that group. That's, I think, the biggest question mark for this team. Okay. This next question comes from Jason. Hear me out. No, we haven't seen 2017 Wentz in the last three seasons, but are we sure the 2017 Wentz is his ceiling? The guy was only in year two of his career at that point. Oh, wow. That, okay, uh, w- one more time. Run that Run that uh, at us. So Jason's kind of opening up a little bit here. Yeah, this so is big. 2017 Wentz. We haven't seen that in the last three seasons. Correct. But are we sure that that was his ceiling, and that was when he was an MVP caliber quarterback and had the ACL surgery? Jeez. Wow. Jason. Um, okay. So he basically is like, this dude can play an MVP level, if not more, Yeah. moving forward. Wow. That's that's a lot. Um, I guess let's just start here. 2017 in the NFL, that, yeah, those are – Dog years. I mean, that's a long, that's, long time ago. I mean, great Chuck way to Bega- put it. Charles, you know, Chuck. Chuck <laughs> was coaching the Colts. So, uh, Frank Reich's going into year four. That's a lot. And honestly, when I say that, Chris, I don't mean it just in the NFL sense. I mean, it. a lot's happened to Carson Wentz. He's torn an ACL. Right. Um, he's knocked out of a playoff game with a concussion. Back injury ends another season for him. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, just all the eagle bullshit for for lack of a better term i I don't know it felt good to get a good cuss early in the morning so sorry i I just had to get that off my chest um the the thing that always stands out to me about 2017 when i've gone back and looked at that season for wentz he was the number one quarterback in the league on third down and in the red zone i i cannot stress enough how incredible that feat is and how much that just shifts your entire landscape mm-hmm. as a quarterback. You know, if you are unbelievable on first and second down and you're moving the ball up and down the field and you're middle of the pack quarterback on third down the red zone, we're not talking about you late in the season. But if you get in third and sevens and you start converting them at a high rate and you get in the red zone and you start cashing in touchdowns, I mean, hell, look at last year. The The biggest gripe on Phillip Rivers was we got down there yep. and we had to kick field goals. Yep. That was yep. one of the yep. biggest gripes is he was able to drive us down and we couldn't turn those into seven-point drives. They were three-point drives. Yeah, it's a great point. And it's something that I, I have a long list of Frank Wright questions today. We'll see how many that, that I get to. But situationally, that is what he really hated about last season. For That's probably not the right term, but um, he was really disappointed in that area, and Jacoby and that offense, were they were actually pretty good mm-hmm. in that area. So uh, I guess what I'm getting at here is it's really difficult to maintain that and sustain that. Wentz did that in 2017. So, yeah, Jason, I can't go there. I And part of me is just like, should we just temper expectations a little bit here? Like, if you say, hey, Carson, or you say, hey, Frank, hey, Chris, here's 2018, 2019, Carson Wentz, you want to sign? I think they're signing. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank, <laughs> knowing him and how confident he is, I don't know. Maybe he might be a little bit more aggressive in that sense. But, yeah, Jason, I can't go there. 
I can't. Yeah. Only in year two, but a lot of scar tissue. Yeah. Physically and mentally has happened since. Osandius asks, for some reason, if Wentz gets hurt week one as a starter, how confident are you in Jacob Eason as a, scar- as a starter on a scale of one to five? As a point of reference, Alex Smith went 23 touchdowns to seven interceptions in his first year in Kansas City. I have faith in Ballard, and I want Wentz to succeed. However, in the world where luck retired, what are your thoughts this close to June? Boy, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, Sandius, that's a great. I hope that we're pronouncing that right. That, that that's what I would go with. But um, that's a great name. Yeah, can I answer this one in late August? I I, I really got to see Eason. Yeah, you know, in some in some preseason action. Um, you know, I always come back to this. Jacob Eason in the last four years. You talk about how long since 2017. In that span, that dude's played 11 games of football. I mean, yeah. that's the number one guy I'm going to be looking at in preseason. Right. Um, last year, I want to say the final number that I tallied was 33 passes in training camp in 11 on 11. 33 passes. <laughs> and we're talking what? 14 practices? 17? I, I, I have no idea the final number, but yeah, 23 touchdowns to seven picks. That That's pretty damn good for mm-hmm. Alex Smith. And I think that's the efficiency that Alex Smith had. I mean, when I see the, that ratio on a one to five scale, is that a four? I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, what faith would I have in Eason? I mean, again, it's impossible for me to answer right now. I, I would say a two. Okay. But I really think, and, and, you know, you guys heard me say this last year with Rivers, and if Brissett somehow was needed, I would have said, you know, look over Brissett, just throw Eason in there. To me, again, it's much more of a, we're not evaluating him on a 2021 scale. We're evaluating him on do you see things that you can point to moving forward. Right. And I know that's a lot. That's something Colts fans, I don't know, some Colts fans do want to think about because they love Jacob Eason. Others would say no because that means Carson Wentz has gotten hurt or bombed or whatever there. So, yeah, I mean, I'll give it a two, but, I mean, that could change mm-hmm. for better or for worse come August. All right, Jason has a pretty interesting question. With college football putting out so many NFL-ready wide receivers, has that position become a little bit more devalued like running back has in the sense that you don't necessarily have to pay them the second big contract. You can just go get another guy in the draft. That's interesting. Um, I like the thinking, but I don't think I agree with it. I, I don't think the position is being devalued. Honestly, I think it's being used more. Mm-hmm. You see more wideouts on the field. I just think you have more bodies. More guys play wideout. You know, think about like in high school, you know, you probably have what, three, four running backs that are ro- rotating in or out unless you got a stud. I mean, some teams are running straight up wishbone, triple option, yeah. like things like that. And now, I mean, you go, I mean, I can't tell you last time I've been to a high school football game, but, you know, the few highlights I see, it's spread. I mean, it's yeah. it's full on. I mean, that's what they're doing. So, again, I don't think it's a position being devalued. I just think, frankly, you've got more dudes that want to play wide out. And I also think it's a little different than running back because you have so many just injury issues at running back. You don't have as much at wide out. Now, having said all that, I do think you saw wide outs get a little bit devalued in free agency. Now, some guys cashed in, but Juju did not. Right. Um, somebody else, one of those other big-name wideouts did not really cash in. Galladay did cash in, but somebody else um, didn't get a whole lot of money 
And I think that is NFL teams saying, hey, let's just go to the draft. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, we, you can find deep, deep classes there. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my thought there. Question from Mitchell, who listens to the podcast fairly often. So thank you, Mitchell, for tuning in. Thank you, Mitchell. I M- Mitchell's all, always been a diehard. Says that Mathis is going into the ring of honor during the Bucks game. If you had a prediction... Based on the current players on this roster, which player ends up in the Ring of Honor? Oh, hey, uh, I can only go one. You can only, I, I, and and that's a credit to Chris Ballard because I think there are a couple. I, I can only pick one. You can only pick one. Oh shit! Oh, gee, I, gosh, if I say Nelson, Darius Leonard will show up at MS <laughs> by noon. But as we've seen, if you go Nelson. This is another audio clip that Darius Leonard can put a chip on his shoulder, oh, so you're yeah, kind dude. of fueling the fire there. I, I was on the Colts podcast yesterday with Lair Overton and Casey Vallier and Jeffrey Gorman, and I I said Buckner is the most important player in the team, non-Wentz <laughs> division, or non-quarterback you know quarterback division. And uh, quickly, I thought to myself, boy, yeah, that'll be – can't wait for 53 to retweet <laughs> yeah. that. Um, Nelson and Leonard. I, I'm – I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna cop out both. I mean, Nelson obviously is going to the Ring of Honor. Like yeah. he's gonna be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, who else? You know, I don't. Know. I mean, Jonathan Taylor. You know, you know, I've. Um, you know, if you really, again, we're really projecting far ahead here, but I think the big key in all of this is you got to find a Super Bowl. Like, you, yeah, you, you really need a Super Bowl on the resume when you're gonna get into. You know, what if Brain Smith has a 13-year career at right tackle? Now, you know, Tari Glenn's not even getting in, so, you know, or at least hasn't. Right. So, maybe not. Uh, Buckner, you know, what if he continues to be at an all-pro as well? I know a lot of people say Hilton. I am, uh, and this is just peak June, July, summer rant. I'm tired of just anybody going to the Ring of Honor. And I, I don't say I just feel like the Colts Ring of Honor. I, like, I, go, I remember going to some of these other stadiums around the league and being like, that dude's in that team's ring of honor? Yeah. Like, what the? And we have always been T.Y. Hilton supporters. On Absolutely, this yeah. Unbelievable career that he's had. And, you know, he's really in a great franchise for wideouts. I mean, hell, he might be the fourth or fifth best wideout in this franchise. And when you're talking Raymond Barry and Marvin and, and Reggie and Bill Brooks even. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's just like, and I, I forget, I I forget who one of my colleagues has always brought this up. Like there should be a Colts Hall of Fame and a Colts Ring of Honor. Like you got your name embroidered, yeah, inside the stadium. That's a big, big effing deal to me. And I see John, you know, Jim Harbaugh up there, and I'm like, oh gosh, boy. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of like because clearly it's situational. It's like really, right, well, yeah, you, you help bring us right. It know. is so situational. Um, like Hilton, I just can't go there. You know, if he would have strung together, I don't know. If he does string together three more thousand-yard seasons and you win a Super Bowl, I, I I don't know. Yes, he's probably in then. But right now, um, I would say no on him. It's just, you know, Ring of Honor, you got to be the number one. Or, and again, T.Y. is in a loaded wideout group. You got to be the best player at that position or maybe second in that franchise's history, mm-hmm. bar none. And you got to have a Super Bowl. Right. That's that's the Kevin Bowen criteria that probably no one cares about, but that is the Kevin Bowen criteria for the Ring of Honor. Well, the nice part is everyone who's listening to this podcast, especially if you're part of Colts Nation, we're in the Ring of Honor, 12th man. <laughs> I know, I know. 
I'm like, this crowd noise, it's got to get louder. Yep. If you're going to put the 12th man in the ring of honor, come on now. Yep. Seattle, L.A., first two weeks of the season, bring it. Question from Drew is Wentz's floor higher than a 39-year-old Philip Rivers ceiling? Oh, boy. I feel like Michael Jordan is the roof. There's <laughs> yeah. the, the ceiling, the roof. Is Carson Wentz's floor higher than a 39-year-old Philip Rivers ceiling? Uh, no. I mean, we saw Wentz's floor last year, un- yes. un- unfortunately. I mean, that was, what was it, 57%? And I don't I, I think he had just as many touchdowns as picks, and the rating was like, the rating was a good golf score, which is not what you want. You want your rating to be a bad golf score. Uh, and Rivers was, I mean, shit, right around 70%, and that rating I think hovered close to 100 all year long. So, yeah, no way is Carson Wentz's floor higher than a 39-year-old Philip Rivers ceiling. Yeah, if your uh, percentage is closer to my golf score, you're doing great. <laughs> you don't want to be closer to Kevin's, you want to be closer to mine. Yeah, you get in triple digits, and you're going to you're gonna be in your team's ring of honor. You know what? I get my money's worth when I go to the golf course. Hey, that's smart. Hit the ball a lot. Playing 36 holes. All right, from Mitch, does it surprise you that the Colts aren't playing in the Hall of Fame game this year between Edron and Peyton? He kind of expected them to play. Thought about going to Canton for the weekend, and he's a little bit disappointed that they're not playing in that game. I am not surprised because if I'm not mistaken, you have a Steeler and a Cowboy going in and yep. any chance to get those two teams. Right. Um, though that is the epitome of iconic fans that travel. Um, now, are we still doing our Hall of Fame package? So the Hall of Fame package for the first round has ended. It okay. will be coming up later again. We do have a second um if you go to 1075thefan.com and WIBC.com, I believe in July we are going to do a second wave of uh, Hall of Fame packages. And it's a VIP package, so it's great. And you will still get your tickets to the ceremony. Um, what else, I guess, does that package entail? You get uh, travel. Okay. You get hotel. You get VIP access to the Hall of Fame players that are being inducted for a meet and greet. And you get to go to the ceremony. And there's tons of events and, and that weekend, I, I I do think it's a really cool weekend. Um, yeah. Just kind of soak it all in, especially if you're kind of an NFL, I don't know, historian fan or something like that. So uh, we'll definitely mention that, continue mm-hmm. to mention that between now and early August. But I am not surprised, um, to be honest with you, Mitch. So, yeah, it's just Steelers, Cowboys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Oh, How yeah. do we get people to Northeast Ohio? Perfect. All right, two more. This one comes from Casey. Kevin, you are the GM of the Colts. Oh, shit. Well, that's a little... So get ready. Sorry. Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, and Darius Leonard are in contract years. Who do you keep and why? So can I keep all of them, or is this... You can only keep two. Okay. Sorry, that was was a big piece that I missed there. So you're the GM of the Colts. You can only keep two of these players. Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, and Darius Leonard. Ooh, man. Um, you know, I know everyone will quickly go to Nelson and Leonard, and I do think that's the right answer, but it's not that easy for me. I, I First off, I want someone on offense and defense. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what includes Leonard. Obviously, then people would be like, well, hell yeah, you keep Nelson. It's just the argument about tackle versus guard. I think that Nelson's presence just means something. You know, not maybe as much vocally, but I mean that dude is a commanding 
presence. Mm-hmm. Like there is some intimidation. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, I do think that's really important. But I, I can I can listen to people that are gonna, you know, talk up Braden Smith, but I'm gonna go with Nelson and Leonard there. Yep. Okay. Last Twitter question for the podcast comes from Jimbo Slice. Great name. Oh, that's a great name. He's a long time first. Intimidating. Yeah, long time first time. Let's go. Hypothetical. You're told the Colts have a 25 percent chance to win the Super Bowl this upcoming season. The catch is you have to give up two first round picks. Would you do it? Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Read the – give it to me again. You have a 25% chance that the Colts will win the Super Bowl. However, you have to give up two first-round picks. 25% chance to win the Super Bowl. You've got to give up two Which is tough because you've already given up one. Jeez. Hopefully. Yeah. Um. Oh boy, I feel like I'm Allen in the hangover with that gif. <laughs> you know, just like 25% chance – Two first-round picks. Um. Yeah, I mean the whole. Am I giving the Eagles a second rounder? That's that. Or is this like three first rounders? Am I giving up? Literally, my first next year is going to Philly, and yep. then I've got to send twenty twenty-three and twenty twenty-four. Mm-hmm. First rounders, um, man, that's tough. So right now, I'm gonna guess the Colts have like a, I don't know if you looked at Vegas odds, probably like a five percent chance. I don't know to win the Super Bowl. I'd have to look them up. Probably something like that. Probably something know. around there. Um, geez, twenty five percent chance. That's 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 those are great odds. I also am thinking to myself, boy, giving up three first round picks is a lot. Mm-hmm. Because, like, 25% chance, I guess you could easily be like, oh, that means you lose in the AFC title game. Right. And then it's like, oh, yeah, and you don't have your first round picks in the next three years. Uh, I'm going to say no. Uh, three, that's a lot. That's, boy. I, I love the thought process. I love the thinking. My mind is blown. Really? <laughs> that's a great question to end the podcast on. But I don't know. Would, would, would you? I think that's just too much capital. Yeah. That's... I mean, 25% is a are great odds. Yeah. But knowing how stacked the AFC is right now in terms of going through the playoffs with those quarterbacks you're going to have to face. Oof. Man, it's just cuz yeah. you would hope if you lose, you know, you we're, we're trying to go up this ladder. You're right, trying to right, go ring right. by ring and if you lose, you don't have those first round picks to come in and hopefully solidify what your missing pieces are that you can get to the Super Bowl. So it's just a little scary for me. Yeah. But hey, I mean, I uh, I'm all about, you know, flipping. Well, I guess we're flipping a little bit of a weighted coin there, but <laughs> it's a coin that's got some okay odds on it. Yeah. Oh, that was a good one, Jimbo. Thank you for uh, for that one. Yeah. So that wraps up the Twitter questions. What else you got coming out on 1075thefan.com this week, Kev? Yeah, you know, I mentioned earlier we posted the depth chart, or kind of a projected depth chart in my mind coming out of the spring. So check that out if you haven't already. I thought a kind of a good piece on Darius Leonard that I just posted earlier on Wednesday morning about how he's kind of got to be a different Darius Leonard this year. Um, I thought he was pretty candid in talking about basically Anthony Walker gone. Mm-hmm. He's got to be a little bit more different um, this season. And they got something else on the left tackle situation, just a little bit back into Chris Boward's mind on what they were thinking. And no to Charles Leno, no to Christian Darius out at, at 21. Right. Instead going with Quiddy Pay. 
Um, so I hope you guys will enjoy that. And we'll have written content every single weekday between now and training camp. Sometimes a couple articles a day, but definitely at least one a day. So make sure that you check that out. And we'll be back every week between now and late July. So for Chris Presley, I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.